You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Brandon, have, have you heard from Alex? Like, is he okay? What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Track in the Storm podcast. My name's Brandon. I'm joined by Matthew Soma. Uh, if you've heard from Alex, please let us know so we know he's okay. Yeah, ask him to blink twice if he's alive, <laughs> and I haven't heard anything, so... Yeah. It's okay. Uh, you know how that lawless land that is Canada, I'm sure something came up. It's probably chase, chasing after some fake money, am I right? <laughs> yeah, the fake Canadian currency. Anyway, I just got back from New York, so I'm very tired. This is probably going to be a short episode, especially because uh, puck drop between the Carolina Hurricanes and Calgary Flames is about 10 minutes away uh, as we start to record tonight. So we want to go watch the game. Um, give you some live reactions or something, am I right? Uh, no, we're not going to do that. But we do have some hockey to talk about. We do have, um, <laughs> well, we have a couple things to talk about anyway. I don't know. We'll figure it out as we go along. As we as, as we usually do on these things. Um, so, since we last spoke, we had a Winnipeg game, <laughs> and we had the Sabres and Sens. Um, since we last recorded, at least. Since we last recorded, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, we kind of know where the Hurricanes have been at the last few weeks. Really struggling to put the puck in the net. Um, the defensive absences are really they're starting to see kind of the – um <clears throat> downside of that <laughs> mostly in the form of brendan smith more so than in jalen chatfield who we'll talk about in a little bit i'm sure and max lajoie who i'm sure is going to check back into the lineup tonight as bear once again with a non-covid related illness is going to miss another game um but in the last two games uh against the buffalo sabers and winnipeg jets uh the hurricanes did finally start to put the puck in the net a little bit um you know, I'd kind of said in a piece I did at the Hockey Writers, maybe that game against Buffalo was just exactly what they needed to kind of get the good vibes going again to get back on the road. And it, it kind of seemed like that because they played one of their more complete games of the season, I'd say, in Winnipeg um, and kind of got it started off a lot like they did in Vegas when they had that road trip a couple of weeks ago. I feel like there were a lot of parallels between those two games, both really, really good games. Um, and I guess we just hope that it kind of springboards the Hurricanes, much like that Vegas um, game did on that first road trip. Hopefully that uh, Winnipeg game is going to do the same for the Hurricanes here. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I don't want to talk about the Ottawa game. I'm going to be honest. It was one of the worst <laughs> hockey games I've ever watched. Um, yeah. But 
sometimes it just takes like curb stomping one of the worst teams in the league to kind of springboard your team into like another, you know, hot streak, right? I just like, gotta, you know, see the puck go in again. I feel like, and I, I tweeted this. It's like we we used to. I had a coach O'Leary. Um, he always used to say, "Score one, score hundred. That among yeah. lots of other things, you got to get it up to get it in. You know, lots of innuendos. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I, I mean, if we were ever in a slump, which happens to every hockey team at every level, you know, sometimes the puck just won't go in. Uh, it, it just seems like you get that one, you grip the stick a little bit looser. You, you know, you just let your natural talent take over, I guess. And it's not like the Hurricanes are devoid of talent. We know that. I mean, this team is what, 17, 6 and 1, whatever their record is. I mean, <laughs> they didn't get there by mistake. And, yes, they're having to overcome a lot of adversity right now. Tonight's going to be a really tough test against a very, very good Calgary Flames team on the road. But, I mean, the goals are going to come with this team. They just got to kind of stick with it, and you you kind of hope guys like Svechnikov continue to – Yeah, you know, we, we talked a little bit about how at the 15-game mark last year, his game really started to take a nosedive, and, you know, the penalties started to add up. He was obviously frustrated. He didn't have any puck luck, and his game really deteriorated. I feel like his last few games have been really impressive. He was really – he probably the Hurricanes' best player in Winnipeg. Um, yeah. I mean, he only had that one assist, but he was everywhere. He was making plays. He was so close so many times. Um, and hopefully he's going to continue that because, you know, if the Hurricanes get him back to putting the puck in the net like crazy and just being that dangerous presence on the regular – this seems so dangerous when he's playing like a top five player on the planet. He's also, as Sarah Sivian mentioned today, five games without a penalty. Wow. And okay. Yeah. So I didn't really think about it, but I'm like, huh, Svetch has been out of the box lately. And it sounds really obvious, but I have to say it. Svetch can't do anything on the ice when he's in the box, right? Right. So if he's missing two plus minutes a night on just because he keeps taking penalties, then, you know, what point is there, right? Right. And let's not even so, get into the fight he picked against whoever it was four weeks ago. <laughs> Late right. in the game, Narcan's down a goal and all of a sudden Spets in the box. Yeah. Wow. And I mean, you know, those mental lapses have been a problem since he was in junior, right? With regards to discipline. Yeah. However, you've got a player who's just outstanding when he's on the ice. So I'm not going to argue about it. You know, like Svetch is second on the team in points. I don't care if he takes a couple penalties here and there, but seeing them toned down a lot is a very, very good thing. Um, I was, I actually went to the Buffalo game, uh, my first game in person in almost two years. The last time I went was when we shut out Arizona, uh, back in 2020, like January, 2020. And it was funny because nature scored. You remember when he, he wrapped around the coyotes and backhanded a shot into a wide open net. Yeah. I think I was at that game too. Now that you mentioned it. Yeah. And when he did the wraparound, I I was looking at uh, my fiance. I was like, that's like the second coolest goal he's scored live. Like that we've been at. Like the Canes. I mean, and this is what they should do. And for whatever reason, just the Canes, I mean, you can go back years and this is still true. They never beat the bad teams. I mean, look at us with Detroit last year, right? 
So it was nice seeing us like bring the Sabres in and just absolutely lay the smack down on them. You know, everything was getting past Subban. The only two goals that, um, that we allowed were both deflections and deflections are the hardest thing for a goalie to stop. Right. So, you know, that is what it is, but overall really happy with the effort. I was, um, I was wishing, I was wishing that, uh, Stevie would score a goal there um, because he and I already arranged to like meet after the game. Um, I don't think I posted those pictures to Twitter. Did I? No, you sent them in our group chat. I don't know if you posted them. I didn't post them. Well, after we get done recording this, I'm going to go post them on Twitter uh, because I got to meet Stevie after the game on a Saturday. And and, I mean, you know, he's been on the podcast, right? You you guys kind of get the idea of how good, how nice of a person he is, but like, he's even nicer in real life. It's crazy. Yeah. Like just the type of person that you're always going to want to cheer for because he's so, I don't know. He's just happy to be here and a nice guy. Yep. Friend of the podcast. Love that guy. Um, one thing I did want to bring up to you um, uh, in back-to-back games, the hurricanes had a player ejected. Um, so let's talk about those two hits real quick. Um First of all, I, I think the Trocheck call, I think we're pretty much all in agreement that that was not a good one. Um, I, I'm fine with the penalty there, but when a player, you know, you're neck and neck skating full speed up the ice with him and you're committed to the hit already and the guy stops and turns, he's effectively launching himself into you. He's put, like, you can't put yourself in much worse of a position than Tage Thompson did for Vincent Trocheck's hit. And I think that's pretty largely understood. I'm really surprised it wasn't ever turned on review. It's one thing if you want to give him a boarding penalty for that, that's fine. But giving him five in a game for that was a little bit ridiculous. But then the Ian Cole hit, and I think there's a little more. I'm 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 trying not to just. I was shocked he wasn't suspended. I was shocked he wasn't suspended. You know, but I'm not. I'm still not convinced on that one. I don't think I would have suspended him. I'm a, I'm more obviously far more okay with the five in game on that one than I was with that one on Trocheck. But yeah, I think, at the same I think time, the fine is fair. At the same time, I think to some degree, Cole is not a dirty player, and maybe that's clouding my judgment, and maybe it's just my bias that's clouding my judgment along with it. But Shifley kind of jumped out of the way, and I feel like that kind of maybe put him in a worse position than he would have been in originally as well. And Cole, you know, and, and that's the exact kind of play where you will see a player stick their knee out in like a bad knee. And Cole didn't do that. He stayed kind of where he was. It just ended up being a leg on leg collision, which obviously you don't like that. That's how a lot of really bad like knee injuries and stuff happen. But I don't know. I just wanted to get y'all's thoughts on that too. Cause I, I, I didn't want to like go, you know, be on Twitter being like, Oh, it's not a penalty. And that's not what I think, but I just felt like even that one was kind of a stretch. And, and and I'm saying for me, I'm really not that surprised it wasn't a suspension because I, I just don't think it was an intentional knee on knee hit. And for me, that's really what, an, that's what a five game, five in a game and a suspension is supposed to come from is a, a hit that basically has intent to injure dirty hits from behind. When you stick your knee out and try to catch a player. I, I don't know. Anyway, I'll let y'all talk. That's just my thoughts on the Cole hit. Wait, Brandon, you said y'all. Like, who who else is here? It's just me. Oh, um, 
little Wait, late, little shit. late to the party. Oh, hi, Alex. <laughs> thanks. Uh, Thank you for joining us. Thanks. Thanks for not cutting me out this week, boys. <laughs> thanks. Uh, I'll just thanks edit my out. <laughs> Fashionably late, Alex Ovari. Welcome to the show. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen. Some of us, some of us have to work here, eh? I don't know what that means. Well, I. It's kind of hard for me to pipe in because I didn't actually see the entirety of either game. So I, I the Cole hit, I kind of, I kind of agree with everything Brandon had to say. Um, I'm not sure it was malicious. Um, definitely not to a point where I think you're going to be handing out a suspension, especially with some of the other stuff we've seen around the NHL lately. Right. Uh, I mean, there's, let's be honest, there's been, you know, quite a, quite a decent list of stuff lately that, you can compare it to and, you know, compared to the Spezza stuff, compared to Brendan Lemieux using his chompers. I mean, there's God. there's there's a line you have to draw here. And uh, for the Trocheck hit, I mean, I, I think I think almost everybody's in agreement that the player put himself in a defenseless position. He turned his back to Trocheck when he's already committed into the hit. I said, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe it was a bit of a stretch, but I said on Twitter that, I'm not even sure it's a minor penalty, never mind an ejection. Um, so yeah, I, I think the league got that one right with not handing out any further discipline, but um still an unfortunate situation because that might have been Trocek's best game of the season. Yeah, uh, it was necessarily on the stat sheet, but um yeah, so a bit of an unfortunate situation there. Man, he was everywhere that night, and it was so frustrating because like I agree, Thompson turned at the last second while falling yeah and got hit and i mean tage thompson is like almost a foot he's almost a (laughs) foot taller than trocek yeah like trocek has to try to hit this guy right so i think he was already going for a hit and it's tough because like thompson came back to the game right and Like, I don't want to discount anything. I don't want to say, like, oh, you know, he was faking it or something, right? That's not what I'm trying to say by this. I'm just saying, like, if you come back from the game, then it probably wasn't worth, you know, five in a game. So I don't think necessarily that, you know, a punishment for a hit should be dictated on whether the player was seriously injured or not. Because sure. that's what it, I was going to say. It, yeah, it, it's it's definitely about, you know, the intent, the maliciousness, Um and not necessarily the end result. It's it's about establishing what you can and can't do in hockey, which you police the act itself. You do not police yeah. the outcome. There so you here's go. the thing: yeah. like, were the refs only giving Buffalo that because it was like five one at the, or four one at the time? Um, I mean, they they try and manage the game. So. You know, I I I'd like as much as I'd kind of like to believe that it's like just NHL officiating is just so bad. inconsistent. Yeah. yeah. Bad. Uh, I was, I was going to be a little nicer about it, but yeah, it's just, you know, it's, it's just, it's straight up bad. There's, I, there's no, there's no rhyme or reason to what they call. Um, None. You know, sometimes I question if they even know the rule books, but, there's just some rules that are just so unclear as to um, what exactly you're supposed to be doing in this situation. I saw one thing on Twitter where somebody sent me a portion of the rule book and it was like something about 
that you have to give out a game misconduct if there's a head injury uh, resulting from the play. And was it? He came back. I know that's why. Like, I, it confused me more than watching the ejection for the hit itself. Um, and I kind of just realized that nobody knows um, the, the exact criteria for anything. Only the NHL head office knows. Whoever made the rule book knows. And right. you know, um, so it, yeah. As much as I would like to give the refs credit for not being incompetent. I, I just can't. Based off what I've seen, I, I, I just can't. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, we went even on both of those, right? We gave up a power play goal and then scored a shorthanded goal against Buffalo, and then we ended up getting a full five-minute kill against the Jets. So, you know, it is what it is at this point. I, 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 I agree that neither hit should have been a suspension. And Thankfully, you know, they weren't suspended, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So we, I think we covered that about enough. Let's talk about this young defenseman that the Hurricanes have called up. Um, it is Ryan Murphy. Yeah. Oh, God. I've told I've told the story of when he like said McDavid wanted to come to Carolina, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. He was in my. I think I might have just said it on Twitter one time, but yeah, he you came said in my, it in the group chat. Okay, he came to my bar one time years ago, obviously, um, and <laughs> I said it was when the Hurricanes were bad, and they were in the lottery that year, um, but pretty far down the McDavid year, 2015, whatever the hell it was, it doesn't matter. Um, but Brian Murphy was in my bar, and I'm like, yeah, so uh, McDavid coming to the Canes or something like that, and apparently he trained with him during the offseason, and he's like, yeah, he wants to come to Carolina or something like that. I was like, uh, well. It's a shame he doesn't really have that choice, but I'm sure that was just like in passing. He said something about, oh, it would be cool if you ended up on the Hurricanes. And he was like, oh, yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> just knowing he was going to end up in Edmonton. Like in hindsight, isn't it hilarious to consider that Ryan Murphy was training with Connor McDavid at one point? <laughs> How bad was he getting walked on a nightly basis? <laughs> yeah, Future seriously. Carolina Hurricane Connor McDavid. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Uh, but uh, circle back to where Brandon was going with this. And, you know, I, I, well, I'm actually not sure oh, where yeah. he's going. I'm just going to assume. But I, I kind of wanted to bring up Jalen Chatfield anyway. Yeah, that's yeah. where I was Assuming going. that's where you're going. Yeah. That got me on Because, track. like, listen, when, when he came over from Vancouver in the offseason, I was a little underwhelmed. Uh, you know, you take a look at Vancouver's, um, their, their defense group, and you're like, okay, well, this kid's been there for a few years. He couldn't break in there. You know, you're, you're thinking, what, what does this guy really have? Um, and and I, I don't really think he really got a whole lot of attention from the media and stuff or, you know, any fans in Carolina, to be honest, because it was kind of just felt like an AHL depth signing um, based off, you know, the previous history. And he is a kid who's only, what, I think 23 years old. And he gets a shot here because of some unfortunate circumstances with COVID and whatnot. And I'm going to be honest with you, I was – a little underwhelmed when they called him up. I was hoping we'd get to see maybe a Joey Keener, yes, for Selgren. But, I mean, this kid's came in, and he's he, he's looked like he's belonged. He's getting ice time. Um, he, he's moving around really well. He's very mobile, smart player. Um, you know, he, he does a really good job creating shot lanes and getting, his, getting pucks towards the net. And he has, like, a little bit of a physical edge. And I'm thinking at this point – you know, and you can even put Max Lejoie in this situation because he's kind of picked up exactly where 
he left off in the playoffs last year where we, we know Max Lajoie can play NHL minutes. Um, whether he ever amounts to anything, maybe above a third pairing role remains to be seen. And I I don't really think that's going to happen. Um, but you can put him in this category too, where with the Hurricanes' philosophy since Rod Brindamore took over three years ago, where you're rewarding guys who are playing the best regardless of what they're making and regardless of, I guess, their stature on the team or whatever, you know, the, the philosophy that Rod Brindamore has implemented, the grit and grind situation, at, at this point, I'm not sure how you can justify taking Jalen Chatfield off this roster in favor of Brendan Smith. I, I, I just... I don't know. And, you know, I haven't really looked at the contract situation yet, but if, if Chatfield needs waivers to go back down to Chicago, I, I, at this point, I would not be risking exposing him to that. He's, he's only yeah, a 23-year-old kid. <laughs> he's yeah, 25. Is he 25? I, see, yeah. I thought he was 23. Yeah, he's 25, but that's still young. But that's still, I, that, doesn't, that really doesn't change anything because yeah. he's at that age, he's still a guy who – is bringing everything that you wanted Brendan Smith to bring, even in terms of physicality, he, he, he's not afraid to get his nose dirty. And, you know, he might have a more of a future here, even if he doesn't have a future beyond the season, he still has more of an immediate future than you would expect from a guy like Brendan Smith. Um, and in terms of everything Rod Brendamore said and preached over the past three years since he came, since he came in as head coach, I, I cannot justify keeping Brendan Smith ahead of him at this point. I just can't. Yeah, uh, no, I agree. And I think you touched on a lot of the points I wanted to bring up. It's like, it was such an under the radar fine, right? Like th- that, that transaction made pretty much no headlines. Yeah. Like, like, I, I was like, all right, cool. Depth defenseman. He's going to be in Chicago. Right. Yeah. And you know, this rash of injuries hits, if that doesn't happen, he might never have gotten this opportunity because it probably was signed for that reason. But obviously he showed something in camp to have him be, you know, the first call up. And and granted, maybe they just wanted to go with the veteran guy over, you know, Keen Silver and the guys that we were kind of hoping to see. They wanted to go, go with the player that did spend most of last year in Vancouver. But to your yeah. point, like, I, I don't see any point in sending him back down. I mean, I I guess you could argue playing time. You don't want him to be your seventh defenseman, but he is 25 years old. So he doesn't really need to go play. And, I mean, just objectively speaking, he's been 10 times more effective than Brendan Smith. And there's a reason he's been Easily. playing. The other night when the Hurricanes dressed seven defensemen, the only the player, second most minutes. The only player yeah, he, on the team that had more minutes than him was Jacob Slavin. He yeah. does stuff. And, like, he plays with pace. He plays with physicality. But more importantly, he's smart. Chatfield's a fine seventh defenseman. I, I've, I think he's smarter and making better plays than Brendan Smith is. And more importantly... He has his legs. Smith has been so, so slow. slow. Oh yeah, my ter- god! Just terrible. Like he can get burnt. Like and he you know, Smith gets involved. He touches it. He gets involved in the play and he can try to make something happen. Just the problem is, his legs are not there for the pace this team plays at. I would also say the same about Lejoie. Really? Yeah, Lejoie is fine, and I think he's been you know decent for us. But his legs are not where they they need to be for him to stay up with this team in a seventh defenseman role like Chatfield's or like Chatfield would be. That's my take. So I think Chatfield has been good. I wouldn't expect him to be, you know, more than our seventh defenseman moving forward. But, you know, it is what it is. right? No, but I mean, And I think it's pretty clear that value. he's in that role. I mean, 
when you yep. consider the Hurricanes as top six, whoever your seventh defenseman is in the ideal world, they're not going to play. But, you know, Chatfield at his age, it's not like he's got a ton more developing to do. Um, I, I mean, obviously getting reps is never going to hurt, but if you're going to have to risk him the waivers to be sent down, I mean, look at some of the, look at some of the defense groups around the league. I mean, with how he's played, anyone watching the tape can say this guy's worth taking a chance on, especially in team control, still young, can still technically grow with a group. I am definitely not going to expose him um, to another team to pick up for free when, Mm -hmm. you know, Brendan Smith would be the alternative um, making what he makes and, playing how he's played i i, I just i think off, it's a no-brainer you're better off leaving joey keen um down to develop instead of him getting you know like eight to ten minutes a night here you know why not let him develop some more right that's why you know when when the canes elected to not bring up keen when i thought about it more i was like oh, that makes sense they just want him to play and i get it all right, before we jump into anything else, let's take a moment, get a quick word from DraftKings. Hey, football fans, if you're like me, I'm sure you love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game. But with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet $1 on any team to score, and you win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Okay, uh, and we're back. Um, Matt's messing with his cat so he didn't get to match me and say it too uh so sebastian ajo um has another point tonight with a the opening goal um against calgary and and actually you know what we should mention him too nino niederreiter has been absolutely phenomenal lately. oh phenomenal uh, and he's got uh, eight points in the last seven games now with an assist on the ajo goal to open up tonight obviously there's 50 minutes of hockey left as we're recording this so plenty of time for these both of these guys to add more um, but Ajo has been even better. He's got 10 points in the last seven games. Um, he, I mean, he's got multi-point games in three in a row, and he's already got a goal tonight, and I wouldn't bet against him getting another one over the next 50 minutes. Um, but, you know, and part of this is kind of actually being spurred by a tweet that I saw earlier from uh, one of the analytics accounts. I can't remember. But – it said something about Jacob Slavin being, you know, the Hurricanes' best player this season other than Andre Sveshnikov. And I saw that tweet and I was like, yeah, neither of those guys have been the, the Hurricanes' best player this year. Slavin's actually having a very good year. Yes. And he's always, like, quietly underrated. And Sveshnikov's been great. But Sebastian Ajo might be the most underrated player in hockey at this point. Like, you remember when Barkov was, like, talked about as, like, the most underrated because he's so good defensively. He does all these things. The points are there. I don't know if I would take Barkov over Ajo. As a matter of fact, I don't think I would. Sebastian Ajo is just 
I mean, he's such a complete player. I feel like every single time I watch him, he just gets better. I mean, the defensive plays have been there for a few years now, but he's just, and, and it's not like he has any one skill that you're like, he's absolutely elite at this. Like he's this fast. He's got this release. He's this table terabyte level playmaker. He's really, he falls short in pretty much all those categories. I guess when you put him up against the best guys in the league, not that he's bad in any of those. Just, but, he's just you. very he's good just, at everything. He, yes, he's so good at everything, and he, he's got such an elite brain. He thinks the game so much better than, like, everybody else out there, it seems like. Like, he just makes so many little plays that don't show up on the scoreboard that a lot of people probably don't even notice. That just, like, winning hockey plays. Like, I don't know. I just want to talk about Ajo because I feel like we don't talk about him that much. And the season he's having is pretty freaking ridiculous right now. I, I feel I feel like we've reached the point now with Aho, you know, maybe not just even in the Canes fan base, but maybe just in general where it's kind of like everybody has just accepted how good he is. And it's it, it's just kind of expected from him now that he's, you know, this 80 point 35 goal uh, first line do it all kind of center. Um, and maybe he doesn't get the praise necessarily that he always deserves just because of how steady he really is um especially playing in a smaller market it's you know you you definitely get the same sense with guys like you know Barkov and uh, McKinnon even back in the day until you know Colorado became relevant a couple years ago um it's just kind of the same thing where these guys aren't necessarily in the spotlight of you know the bright lights of Toronto or or whatever, because you know if Sebastian Ajo is in the Toronto market, I mean they're salivating at the mouth at this guy with, with how good he is and I, I guess how marketable uh, the player would be. Um, just kind of an unfortunate byproduct of the situation he's in, where we all know how good he is, um, and I, I I you know definitely the league knows how good he is. Um, it's just about getting that that attention that he deserves and. He, he doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that he really takes that to heart. You know what I mean? He just wants to win. And I, I think that's kind of the best case scenario for a guy like that. Well, I do kind of chuckle. Like every time we play, you know, maybe a team we don't see a lot. And I think it's even been like some like hockey writers, people. They're like, Jesus, like, I just didn't realize how good Sebastian Ajo is like, you know, out of town um, account, Twitter accounts or whatever they are, you know, I'll see tweets and they're just like, Jesus, like, I, I guess I just slept on it. Like, he's so impressive. He does so many things so well. Like, turns a lot of heads every time, you know, maybe somebody that doesn't see him all the time, you know, when they finally do get to see him, they realize that and they're like. When they're exposed to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And it's like, I'm, I'm trying to, <laughs> what I'm stumbling to get out is that I agree with your point about it's, it's him not being in the spotlight. Like, he's much more marketable than he really can be here in Carolina. But totally, he's one of the probably, I don't know, five best centers in hockey. I don't know. It's kind of hard to say that, I guess. It'd take me a minute to, you know, put down all the centers, top centers in the league. But, guy, I mean, like I said in the opening of this segment, like, I, I just feel like he's gets so much better every single time I see him. And, you know, he's not even necessarily a finished product yet. What is he, 23? Like, it's not outside the realm of it's possibility. 24. 24? I still, think, I think. So as he continues to, you know, mature, maybe he's got something else he can unlock inside his game. You, you yeah. never know. You know, Jordan Stahl peaked at 32, so. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, Aho has been excellent and everybody here knows that. And it is like with Barkov where everybody in Florida knew how good he was, but you know, and then everybody who would watch him would be like, "Hey, Barkov's underrated. Barkov's underrated." And I feel like now we've reached a point where if everybody's calling Barkov underrated like they are right now, he's probably not underrated anymore. Right. We got to that point with Slavin too, kind of. Yeah, like Slavin is no longer an underrated defenseman because every analytics person raves about him. And, you know, now the analytics are a little more mainstream. You're hearing about analytics more right. or you're hearing about Slavin more, I guess I should say. So with Aho, I think he's just going to be one of those guys that's just like a quiet star because he's it's not like he's going to dazzle, right? Like he's not going to make any crazy feats of athleticism or, you know, he's not going to snipe a shot after, you know, deking through an entire defense, right? Sometimes. Sometimes. I mean, like he, I mean, he did posterize Tony D'Angelo back in the bubble, right? But... um. You know, he's not, he's not a flashy star. He's not like an Austin Matthews or a Connor McDavid. But I also say that knowing the, that, you know, if he was, like Alex said, if he was playing with those markets, he very well could be. Well, anyways, so I've been listening to some older, not older, just, you know, episodes from before the season started just to kind of hear how wrong we were about some stuff. Oh, boy. And Brandon, I have to clown you for this. Okay. When we were talking about the prospects tournament, you were saying there there were there were a few things that made me laugh, like in hindsight. So the first was you you said Beck Warm pretty much has the starters crease in Chicago on lock. Well, I kind of figured oh. that after last week. <laughs> hey, leave me alone. I know, but like it's just again, this is all like in hindsight. Well, hindsight's and, always twenty twenty. Oh no, ass. of course. I'm just again, <laughs> this is just a lighter note. I'm just exposing how wrong you were. All right, fine, fine. And it's happened to me before, too. I've been wrong about a bunch of stuff. But uh, the other thing was that, you know, you're like, Makiniemi is probably fighting for an ECHL job, and now he's, like, doing (laughs) really well, right? So so things change, right? But, you know, like, it's good. That's the player that I'd rather see succeed, if that makes any sense. Um, But, yeah, I just just figured I'd end on that, because when I heard that, I was like, oh, my God. How wrong were we? Because I even thought like maybe Makiniemi does start, you know, in the ECHL, right? Because that seems to be the kind of, the way the Canes have treated most of their goalies in recent years, right? Yeah, but in, in fairness, he was playing, you know, in Liga. Like it's not like he came no, sure, junior. So it's probably it was probably a bad read on my part. Folks. We want to thank you. Bit of a sh- bit of a shorter pod this week, I think, because you know, obviously, there's a Canes game happening right now. I've been in New York. Were. It's my fault. Oh uh, well, I mean, I also bailed Funny last night. Brandon. Uh, settle down. Just one of those weeks. We got some really fun stuff coming up, though. We do. We've got some World Juniors content coming up. Um, we're probably going to record that episode probably next week once Canada and the USA trim their rosters down because. Obviously, Sealy and Morrow aren't like locks for those rosters. Morrow, Although with how this point. with how <laughs> Morrow's playing, man, I don't know. Yeah, but we want to thank you for your time, and folks, it's a great time to be a Carolina Hurricanes fan. <laughs> <laughs>